Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Today, we have Chris McConnell, football insider, with us to preview the NFL draft. We break down game three of the 2016 NBA Finals. But the biggest news of all is Rob Gronkowski, WWE 24-7 champion, is reunited with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Burst Your Bubble. Remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Kyle, I've been sitting here trying to think of uh, how to start this episode. You know, normally I just we do some back and forth, but holy hell, man, the news today is just way too big to not start off with the massive announcement that was called weeks ago by Leroy, the NFL insider. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, out of nowhere, goes to Tampa Bay and gets reunited with Tom Brady. First reactions. I was shocked. I mean, I saw it was a four fourth rounder at first. I didn't think that was enough. But uh, looking a little more into the deal, um, it seems like both teams are going to fare pretty well from this deal. Uh, gets Brady a reliable target. Um, like I said in previous episodes, Godwin and Evans. Um, with Jameis, they've, they've thrived in, you know, run down the field, get open, I'll throw it up. Um, can't really do that with, with Brady. So good to have Gronk in there, reliable target. What was your first thoughts, Josh? My first thought was this was insane. I, whenever I first started seeing the reports, I thought it was uh, getting reposted from April Fool's Day. I thought that people were just kind of pulling our leg through this, but then it came out that minute by minute, it got more serious. There were more tweets that came out every minute for 17 minutes, and it was the craziest 17-minute roller coaster of my life. I'm so excited about the move. I'm, I'm, Rob Gronkowski is going to be a great fit. It's going to bring some familiarity there with Tom Brady. You know, Bruce Arians, though, isn't really a, a coach who, you know, loves to just utilize the tight ends, but I think this is going to give Brady a reliable target for those underneath routes. It's going to let Mike Evans and Chris Godwin open up the field a little bit more. And then, you know, there's the, there's the aspect of this that, you know, a lot of people are overlooking. This is a huge offensive move for Tampa Bay. But on the other side of that, their defense took a huge step forward in 2019. So basically, you've just put Tom Brady on a team whose defense is in, a, in an upward trajectory, pairing him with Rob Gronkowski, giving him an established tight end. So I couldn't be more excited for Tampa Bay. And one thing that might be getting overlooked, too, is he's currently the WWE 24-7 champion. Um, and WWE actually released a statement saying that, you know, in that role, he must be able to defend the title anywhere, anytime, even if, quote, he just caught a Tom Brady touchdown pass. So this could create the most electric TV crossover ever on Monday night. Could you imagine Joe Tessitore calling a Monday night football game, Bucks, Jaguars, Color Rush, Brady hits Gronk over the middle, 30-yard line, 25-20. Oh, my God, Randy Orton out of nowhere, RKO! It's going to be awesome, Josh. I can't wait for it. What's going to be even better than that is they're not – just like you said, they're not going to get the touchdown. He's going to stop him at the 20-yard line, and WWE wrestlers are going to storm the field and just beat the living shit out of Gronk. I'm here for it. It's going to be awesome. This is what we need in 2020. This is the content we need. This is what's getting us through quarantine, scenarios like this. Yep. Vince, you've, set, you've gotten this, this far. Now take us home, buddy. Yeah, you know, the XFL didn't pan out, but this is your chance to shine on the NFL stage. You take your chance, Vince McMahon.
Oh, that, that is actually a very missed opportunity by the XFL. They should have implemented that back in 01. Where were we at in 01 to give them that idea? Golly. Way too young. Way too young. This is a great move, though, for Tampa Bay. Redoing the, redoing the jerseys, redoing everything. The city is alive and well. Yep, it's a new TB, and it's called Tom Brady. That's exactly right. And he's not stealing crab legs. He's winning Super Bowls. Well, that's not get crazy. Baltimore Ravens are probably going to win the Super Bowl. But Tom Brady's, you know, winning playoff games. So, uh, speaking of stealing crab legs, let's go and transition to a potential landing spot for our boy, my boy, Jameis. Uh, Josh, did you see the Chargers uniforms? Ooh, man, they are sweet. Triple hard eye emoji. They are perfect. I, you know, there was a – I saw a couple of things floating around today with who is better, the Chargers, the Bucks, the Browns. The Chargers blew everybody away with this with this new – the new jerseys that they put out. The color rush, the all-navy with the line. Oh, my God. So, the Bucks, I think um, theirs are too simple. I mean, I'm sorry. The Bucks are too – they have too much going on. They're a little too cluttered for me. Um, the Chargers, what makes them perfect, the simple design and implementation of the bolt. The use of the main colors and not overpowering any one protrusive color like that yellow, it's not too protrusive in any of the uniforms. Great job by them. And those Navy uniforms, my God, they should wear those every week. Yeah, unless the other team is wearing something blue, I okay. love it. The, the Chargers could probably, yeah, they probably should have dibs on whatever jersey they want to wear because theirs, theirs looks way better than everybody else's. Especially is, if Jameis is the quarterback because he'd be the better quarterback in any matchup. In any matchups that you said? I saw how you went right past that and tried to, like, we're going to move on. But, no, I, I'm going to stop there because I, I definitely don't agree with that. But uh, Jameis would probably win a couple of his matchups, definitely not all. Uh, you know, he's probably going to get you three touchdowns and four interceptions. And I, th I think that's going to be enough to get it done. I mean, we saw how many close games they were in last, last year. So, I think – with Jameis uh, at quarterback, they're going to be a little bit better, and hopefully we do see him in that in that in those powder in those powder blue and those navy because man, they are sexy. See, uh, you know, I think it would be fun to see Jameis there, but on the real side, I, my boy uh, Herbert's probably going to end up over at the Chargers, and Jameis, you know, I'm still hoping for a couple other landing spots for him. Uh, still holding out the the faint hope that somehow he ends up in New England. Probably not going to happen, but that's that's my. Uh, it's been my landing spot, and that's what my sources are telling me, so we'll see what happens. So we do have Chris McConnell on uh, right after these headlines for a great interview, uh, previewing the draft on Thursday. I didn't get to get my uh, Justin Herbert take out there, so I'll get it out now. Um, I think he reminds me a lot of Josh Rosen in the sense, not really in talent-wise, but in the sense that he's going to need the perfect situation, the perfect organization the perfect talent around him and a coach that believes in him and allows some growth. And I think if he doesn't have that, like Rosen did not, he won't pan out like Rosen didn't in, in Arizona and hasn't in Miami. Well, and the Chargers would be a great spot for him to land because that's one of the most talented teams in the NFL, top to bottom on the roster. That is a stacked football team. And, you know, they've got a coach that you think wants to – you know, believe in a new quarterback coming in. They've repeatedly said they want a someone who's a little bit more mobile. They want somebody who can run around a little bit. Uh, you know, even James. if they took half the season to learn under uh, Tyrod, you know, I think that they'll be able to figure something out. And I, I think that Herbert, Herbert would flourish in that system. 
Lamar Jackson seems like he's going to be the cover athlete of Madden 2021. Hopefully it comes with a better franchise mode, a better uh, road to glory, whatever their little franchise storyline is called. Josh, does this mean with two years in a row, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, is the Madden curse over? I don't think the Madden curse is over. I think the Madden curse has reversed. I think the, the new Madden curse is turning into a Madden championship. And I think you're going to see it this year with Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. He's about to lead that team to a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl victory. I'm excited for it. This 2020, I'm here for it. Uh, I couldn't be more excited in the direction that Baltimore's headed. Uh, good job to Lamar Jackson, even though he pretty much uh, accidentally leaked that he was on the cover before it was uh, official. But I think that's a, that's a baller move. So the cover athlete is going to be the NFL Super Bowl MVP. So who do we? So who can we? Who, who's going to be the NFL Madden cover athlete next year? Let's guess. Oh, you can go first. I gotta give me a second. Tom Brady. You think they're going to put Tom Brady on the cover of twenty twenty one? They're going. He'll be. He'll be twenty two. So yeah, twenty two. So be on. 22. They're going to win the Super Bowl this year, and if you're if the curse stands true, then I mean, yeah, he's going to be the MVP unless Gronk wins it. I mean, which is or Antonio Brown, one of those three for sure. So I, I'm going to throw in a different name out there. I think that, and you know, and I'm I can't say I'm not the biggest fan. I wasn't the biggest believer whenever he first came to the league, but I actually think that uh, your boy Kyler Murray has a really good chance to get put on the cover. Uh, he has a chance to come out and have a spectacular year with DeAndre Hopkins joining him uh, with Larry Fitz over there and Kenyon Drake. So watch out for Kyler Murray this year to make some noise to be able to get put on that cover. And I did see something on Instagram today uh, that he wants CeeDee Lamb. He he wants uh, CeeDee Lamb in the draft. Well, of course he does. Come Thursday. Of I'm course sorry. he does. Who wouldn't want CeeDee yeah. Lamb? Yeah, I, I think he should probably go get a, go get a little more protection, but uh, definitely not a bad – Bad choice there with CeeDee Lamb. No, yeah. I don't, any NFL team that landed CeeDee Lamb would probably be pretty happy with that spot. So, so let's transition to our last headline here. It's going to be the uh, Draymond KD kerfuffle uh, spat, uh, you could call it. So what did you think of Draymond pretty much telling KD that, um, you know, he was likening his squad to the Bulls. Uh, he was saying that he didn't, he didn't really respect, he didn't like KD just – you know, keeping it, you know, pretty vague all year what his decision was. And in that coming a bunch of questions to him and Clay and Steph every day about KD's decision, which ultimately led to the toxicity and the disagreements and the fighting that we saw, especially in the L.A. Clippers game. Um, so what did you think of those comments, Josh? Do you think they were warranted? Uh, in a way, yes. But I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit on this. And I, I said it an episode or two ago that – this was the first time that we had seen, you know, a kind of drama out from the Golden State Warrior camp. And, and this just goes to show that it's, it's continuing. I think that probably Draymond's comments, some of them were warranted in the fact that, you know, it's probably pretty annoying when every interview you're getting asked about, honestly, the best player on your team, if he's going to stay or leave or what's gonna, what that's going to look like. And obviously it wasn't Durant's team, but he was the best player on that team. And so it would be irritating over and over to keep hearing that. But at the same token, you, you know, KD has a right to not commit or commit to whatever he wants to do. Everyone talks about him leaving Oklahoma City as a basketball decision. You know, this is a 
you know, it's a, or a business decision. This was a business decision that Kevin Durant was making. You know, he didn't want to commit or decommit. He wanted to get through the year and play, you know, and play the game that he was doing, taking care of the business while he was there. And I think that's an important part of it. I think Draymond Green wears his feelings on his sleeves and he lets his emotions show. So I think that more than likely uh, Draymond got tired of it quicker than everyone else and snapped on KD and that led to all the drama. I think that, you know, Draymond lets his emotions show way too easily. The first question that came to my mind would was, uh, what if KD did come out and say this? At the beginning of the season, he did have it in his mind that, you know, this is my last year. Next year, I'm going to go to New York, going to go to Brooklyn, wherever. Um, what if he does come out at the beginning of the season and say that, you know, this is my last dance, whatever. I think the narrative instantly becomes right then that he doesn't care about the season because he's leaving next year anyway. For Draymond to come out in here and say this is completely unwarranted. unwarranted. It shows bitterness on his part. Um, and it shows a little bit of uneducation about the, about the situation. I mean, Kevin Durant wasn't there from the beginning, like Clef and Clay and Steph were, like Phil Jackson and Pippen were with the Bulls. Not only do I feel like KD deserved to keep that to himself, if he even knew at the time, um, for a multitude of reasons, but now four years removed from Draymond literally crying to KD to come to Golden State after that final series that we're going to talk about game three a little bit later, He's bashing him for leaving. It's completely baseless. And the question I, I offer you, Josh, when KD went down, he was the best player in the world. It was un undoubtable. And I think if he doesn't go down, they come back and win that series against the Raptors. If KD doesn't go down, if the Warriors win, is KD still a Warrior? No, I don't think so. I think that there was, like I said, with the drama that came out from camp that you had never seen before, it, there's just no way that Kevin Durant was going to say, we know that Kevin Durant, uh, I'll be nice. Uh, Kevin Durant is a softy and uh, the, you know, that's just the best word for it. He, he kind of like Draymond wears his feelings on his sleeves and he can get into those feelings. I think that once Draymond probably snapped on him the first couple of times about the situation, I think Kevin was done. You know, that's just the kind of person he is. You're not going to come at me like that. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't need you. I've already proved that I can come in and help you guys win a championship. And I don't need this. I can leave and go my, take my talents elsewhere. That's a good call. Bill Simmons likened him to the uh, Rodman of this team because he was only there for three years. So he came in, made an instant impact, was only there for three championship or three title runs. You know, they ended up only getting two. Kevin Durant obviously winning both finals MVP. So it is obvious how, how key he is there. Um, I think they would have – I think they would have ran it back if they would have won it. Um, and Bill Simmons said this about the Jordan documentary, he said, you're going to see this later on episode eight or nine, even after the Bulls win their sixth title, you know, they're celebrating and, you know, it's already advertised the last dance. Nobody's coming back. They, it was, it is going to shock a lot of people how close everyone is to coming back, except for Rodman. Everyone was going to come back except for Rodman. And I think with that, it was just because, Hey, we, what the hell are we doing? We just won. Why aren't we going to defend it? We have to defend it. We just won it. Like, we can't just leave. And I think the Warriors would have been facing the same situation. And I think in today's day and age, Draymond and KD understand legacy. And I think going for four in a row, unprecedented. I don't think anybody's done that since the Celtics um, back in the 60s, uh, 70s. So I think they would have kept it together if they would have been able to overcome that injury and, and make, it three, make it a three-peat. 
And they could have, you know, I, I could see that, but at the same time, you, you talk about legacy and I think that's key there. I think that's the, the most important thing that you can talk about with a guy like Kevin Durant, because honestly, everyone knows how good Kevin Durant is, but I think he feels like he's overlooked in a lot of these, you yeah. know, goat conversations. And I think it was time for him. Disturbedly so. Yeah. And I, and I would agree with that. He does get overlooked a lot, but for him, I think it was time for him to go out on his own and make a name somewhere else other than the Golden State. I think that his legacy, I think his legacy was being held back by being attached to Golden State. And I think for him to bolster his legacy and to move himself forward in that GOAT category even more, he had to do it with a different team and by himself. I th- you're exactly right there. That's a great call. And I think the main part of that is – it wasn't his team. It was, it was obvious he was the best player on the team um, in any playoff series. He's going to win finals MVP every year. But he's not the best. It's not his team. Golden State, that's Steph's team. The, the fans will tell you. The front office will tell you. The players will tell you. Katie felt that. Katie was tired of it. Katie got out. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's exactly – you're right on that. It's This is Steph's team. It wasn't It wasn't Katie's team. Katie came in and honestly probably helped them win the championship that they – I don't think they would have won if Katie doesn't go. I think that no. they would have lost those, and I think it would have been a completely different dynasty that you would have been well, hearing about. Well, Oklahoma City wins those. Well – I mean, I'm you know, going to that year, you know, I mean, it's well, this year that we're looking at, but, you know, that's going into the next ones. I don't know if OKC would have won or what would have happened, but I don't think that uh, Golden State would have. I think LeBron probably would have came out on top in those finals. So the one thing I heard, if KD did not go to Golden State, he was headed to Boston. So, I mean, if, if he doesn't go to Golden State, I think 2017 might have been Boston's year. KD and Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, Boston was talked about. I heard a lot about New York, too. So, uh, And I think Washington was a big player yeah. at that time. So, you know, he yeah, had a couple yeah. of different options. It would have been fun to watch him anywhere. Uh, you know, it's been a long time. I'm letting go of the bitterness. Uh, I still think it would have been nice to see him go anywhere other than Golden State. But it's a business decision, and he made it. And, you know, here we are talking about the – you know, talking about it from, from here on out. So, that's you know, that's where we're at. Here we are, Josh, and uh, we have arrived at the interview portion of our episode today. It is with Chris McConnell, the Roto Bros podcast. It's going to be a great NFL draft preview. Uh, First, Josh, you had something you wanted to tell everybody. Kyler, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, welcoming back our first and favorite recurring guest, uh, Chris McConnell. We tried to get she- – or Schefter wanted to come on, Field Gates wanted to come on, but, uh, you know, we polled our listeners and they were screaming for McConnell. So, Chris, we, we got you on. How's it going, man? Hey, good, pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm uh, glad, to, uh, glad to have beaten out Schefter and, uh, <laughs> and Field Gates. So, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, definitely a little feather in the hat there. but. Um, but, yeah, doing good, guys. Uh, just kind of, again, getting ready for this draft. How are you guys? 
fantastic. Just got through eating a little bit of dessert. So I'm all fat and sassy, fat and happy. Uh, so obviously we bring you in to talk uh, NFL draft. We go to the, to the big controversial thing or the big thing that's happening right now uh, for the draft is going to be going completely virtual. So do you think, you know, hearing reports, some things have went wrong through it. Do you think that we're going to see a pretty smooth draft or do you think that uh, we're going to run into some hiccups along the way? You know, I, I think it's going to be pretty smooth for the most part. You know, we, we've, we've heard a couple horror stories so far. You know, the first one was obviously the Bengals, you know, having some issues, uh, having a technical glitch when they kind of ran through a couple things as well. They were testing their equipment and you know, they had an issue for, I think it was about five minutes. So, that, I mean, that's, these are the types of things. Look, you're going to have 32 teams. All 32 teams are going to be in one Zoom call. So, look, there's going to be some – there's probably going to be some internet hiccups. There's going to be some network problems. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've actually got a background in IT, so I'm working with networks and stuff all the time. I've got a lot of experience with that. And so you're going to have some, some IT issues, but they've got their teams working around the clock to make sure, guys, that this is going to be as stable as humanly possible. So – it's not going to be perfect. Anybody expecting perfection, even out of a, a you know a, a you know a, a dynamite machine like the NFL, you're not going to get it when it's when you're dealing with you know uh, things of this nature. So unfortunately, we're kind of put into this situation, you know, with the coronavirus. But I think for the most part, you're going to see the teams be ready, the IT teams be ready as well. Um, and I think they're going to be they're going to be fine. They're, again, they're working around the clock to to make sure that this is going to work fine because you got to remember. It's not just – everybody just thinks of the first round. So you got one round on Thursday, two rounds on Friday, and then four rounds on Saturday with the third, with the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round. So this is three days where teams are going to be, you know, exiting the, the Zoom call. They're going to be turning off their equipment. They're going to be turning it back on on Friday, turning it off Friday night, turning it back on Saturday. And so there's going to be problems. There's going to be a lot of problems and, and there's not a lot of problems, but there's going to be some hiccups. And um, I don't think there'll be, you know, any serious issues. Uh, but I think, you know, anybody, you know, expecting that even the NFL of all corporations uh, is going to have, you know, uh, just a, a seamless experience. I, I think that's probably a mistake, but I don't think it's going to be anything like uh, it's going to be unwatchable on TV or anything like that. You know, the, uh, all of the, the uh, uh, the players, you know, the the draftees, if you will. I mean, they're they're all getting sent. They've all been sent a uh, you know a, a camera setup, a draft kit, so to speak. So they've got cameras, you know, that they're being shipped out and, and, a, and equipment set up to get ready for. And everybody's testing their internet connections, and you're seeing all these set setups and and all that. And there was a funny story that actually came out today. Uh, I guess it was uh, Ryan Pace, uh, the uh, uh, general manager of the Chicago Bears. He was actually uh, talking today, he was testing out his equipment. He, apparently, he's got six monitors on his setup, and uh, so he's running through. He's got everything going, and all of a sudden, his wife uh, turns on the vacuum and uh, apparently unplugs all all of his monitors. So, uh, you know, I'm sure she won't be doing that, you know, or anybody else in the household won't be doing that uh, this, you know, between Friday and Saturday. But they're getting out of the way now. But uh, you know, we're going to see some hiccups, but I think for the most part, we're going to see a pretty, uh, we're going to have a pretty solid uh, draft experience. Yeah, the, the good thing about Chicago and Ryan Pace over there, they've got plenty of time to figure it out since they don't have a first-round pick. Uh, good point. That's true. And, uh, another funny story that came out of this was the Detroit Lions. Uh, their general manager came out today said that they plan on having a an IT specialist parked out in a Winnebago in his driveway just in case they run into any problems. <laughs> <laughs> hey, better safe than sorry, I guess, right? That's exactly right.
He'll go home at night, but then he'll come back to the Winnebago first thing in the wow. morning. Well, my, my favorite meme from it so far is uh, the Young Thug and ASAP Rocky in the studio where uh, Young Thug is mixing up something on the computer and ASAP Rocky's looking back there a little bit confused, but definitely admiring the craft. Yeah, the, the, the coronavirus memes and the, the, dra the virtual draft memes, they're, they're nothing short of incredible, that's for sure. Obviously. Uh, so the big news uh, is obviously Gronk to Tampa Bay. Um, the part that stood out to me, though, is Bill Belichick now has five picks in the first four rounds. Um, uh, there's a lot of rumors going around. Maybe he drafts up and possibly takes Tua. Do you think he sits back and you know plays conservatively, or surprises everyone and becomes aggressive? Well, the interesting thing is, first of all, I do to answer the question. Yes, I do think they're going to be aggressive. I think they're absolutely planning a, a, an onslaught of trying to move back up. And it may not. It may not just be to move up in the first round. It could just be to sit pretty at 23, which is the first round pick they already have and add an additional first-round pick to that. I mean, I'm not talking about trading up to pick three with the Lions and, and you know, getting two or Herbert at quarterback. I'm not talking – they could sit at 23, and they could theoretically – they have so much ammo from the second round on. Uh, and that, that's not even talking about next year's picks. They could use all of that ammo to move back in to the middle or the back end of the – of the uh, uh, of the first round, so we could you know, and, and I'm just choosing a number. We we could end up seeing the Patriots pick at 23 and you know, uh, 24. You know, I mean, back to back picks. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but uh, but they definitely have the ammo to get something done. And I think we're we're probably going to see a pretty good amount of movement, um, you know, in this uh, in this draft this year. Even though you know, obviously, we're under some some different circumstances, unfortunately, but. Um, I do think that, like I said, it's going to, it's going to go pretty, pretty smoothly. And, and I think the Patriots are, are going to be a team that people really need to look out for. Cause I don't think it's, they, they got a fourth round pick and in the NFL draft in fantasy, it's not a big deal, but in the, in the, in the NFL draft, a fourth round pick is very valuable. And so, um, getting that for, for Gronk in the seventh round is a, actually a very good deal for them, especially the position that they that they have been put in. Uh, for for twenty for for the twenty twenty season and moving moving uh you know beyond that, and you know I just think that this is a Bill Belichickian move you know just silently making moves getting closer and then they're absolutely going to make something happen in the first or second round and they're gonna they're definitely going to move up I, I I would bet the house that they're going to move up in some form or fashion may not get an extra first round pick but if they want one they certainly have the ammo to do it. If Jared Stidham does not start start week one, who is the Patriots starter? If Jared Stidham does not, okay. Uh, well, obviously, that would mean that uh, it's not going to be Brian Hoyer. They're not going to go into the season with Brian Hoyer under center. So uh, I, I think at that point, um, obviously, they they would be drafting a quarterback. Um, I, I think you're you're looking at maybe. Maybe somebody like like uh, Jordan Love or, or Jacob Easton. I think those are probably the two biggest ones. Obviously, uh, and, and this is assuming they don't trade up for a guy like you know Tua or Herbert or anything like that. If they stay at twenty three and they maybe move up into the back end of the first round and like Jordan Love slips, maybe they find a way to move up and get him or take him at twenty three if he's there, uh, or maybe Eason in the second round, the back end of the second round, something like that. Uh, but I think one of those two guys. A lot of people have speculated Jalen Hurts, but I don't. I don't believe Jalen Hurts is the type of player that Bill Belichick would would go after. I don't necessarily even think Jacob Eason is a great fit for them either. 
but I do think he is, he's, a, he's got a much higher ceiling and a much better ability for the NFL level than uh, Jalen Hurts and a guy like maybe, you know, Jake Fromm. Uh, so those are options. So I guess I would, if I had to choose one name that's not Jared Stidham, I would go with, uh, with, with Jacob Eason because I don't think that, uh, you know, James Winston is not a Bill Belichick guy. Okay, that's clear. Cam Newton is not a Bill Belichick guy. That is clear. So, I mean, who else are you going to go out and get, right? Uh, maybe Andy Dalton. Maybe you make a trade for Andy Dalton. They've got the ammo to certainly do that. That's an option. But I just don't know, to me, if, if Andy Dalton, what, what is he going to do for you? Could, I mean, is, if you, why, why, why would you go get Andy Dalton? You know what he is. Why would you go get an older Andy Dalton and not just, you know, draft maybe a Jacob Beast in the second round and, you know, let him and, and Jared Stidham figure it out? I mean, to me, that would be the, the, the better option. Uh, in my opinion, but um, but if we're talking rookies, I, I think Jacob Eason is a is a guy that uh, the Patriots could be really enticed uh, with his physical tools. So you so you talked about you know you thought the Patriots were going to be uh, pretty aggressive, which I do too. But uh, personally, I think the Patriots should probably look at uh, getting one of those uh, one of the wide receivers in this deep class to be able to help out whichever quarterback they take in because. As we all know from the Brady debate this past year, he didn't have any weapons to help him along the way. So I think that they're going to need to bring in some kind of receiver personally. But uh, what other teams um, do you think are going to be, or which team do you think is going to be the most aggressive uh, trying to move up or trying to get picks in this draft? Well, the team I think that is absolutely going to be the most aggressive is the Fal- is, is my hometown Falcons. And I think um, – we have really heard they're really the only team you haven't heard of. I mean, name another team that that you've heard that is ap- actively attempting to move up in the first round and and be aggressive. There's not many of them, uh, and the Falcons are the are the really the only ones for that matter. I mean, and in the last time, the last time we uh, heard about the Falcons being this aggressive in the draft. They drafted Julio Jones. They they moved up from the middle of, from the mid twenties in the first round and moved up all the way to the top ten and drafted Julio Jones. So it's they have the ammo to do it. Number one, okay, and they obviously have the motivation to do it. Now they're obviously they're not going to go get a wide receiver this year because they clearly don't need one. Uh, but I think it looks like to me the Falcons are are from everything I I, I hear you know from sports talk radio down here and and all the insiders that are kind of giving up their reports and all the rumors that are going on. You can kind of, you can kind of take all this, uh, all this, this white noise on the outside and you kind of put together and, and figure out who they're actually going to go after. So I think there's one of four, four or five names are going to go after. Um, I think, I don't think they're only picking at 16. It's not like they're picking at 28. So at 16, you're still in a, in a really good position to maybe get a player that surprisingly falls. Maybe CJ Henderson falls surprisingly. Who knows? Uh, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, someone like that. But if you are actively trying to trade up, as they are, they've already admitted they are. This isn't a rumor. This is a fact. Um, if you're trying to aggressively trade up like the Falcons are, it sounds to me like you're trying to get into the top ten. And not maybe even just top ten, like top seven. Because that tells me that you are going after Jeff Okuda, the shutdown corner, in my opinion, the best cornerback prospect in the, over the last ten years uh, to come out in the draft, to declare for the draft. Uh, you're looking at Jeff Okuda. You're looking at Derek Brown. You're looking at Javon Kinlaw. You're looking at C.J. Henderson and maybe even Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker out of Clemson. Any of those players I, as a fan, would be thrilled with. But to me, when, when a team is actively trying to move up this high and this aggressive and it's this clear, okay, that it's not a smokescreen, 
you are looking to make a splash and you are looking to, you are looking to get a big name. They're not doing this for an offensive lineman. They're obviously not doing it for a quarterback. They're obviously not doing it for a wide receiver. Uh, and they're obviously not going to be doing it for – this is going to be for a defensive player. I personally believe if, if I were Thomas Dimitrov, I would want to continue building that pass rush. You already added Dante Fowler. You've got the third-best defensive tackle in the, in the NFL behind Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox in Grady Jarrett. So put somebody next to Grady Jarrett, okay, on the, in, on the interior defensive line and add to that pass rush like Derrick Brown like Javon Kinlaw, but I understand if you have the option and you can talk to, talk the Lions into moving back to 16 and you can get that third pick, go get Isaiah Simmons, who's a versatile linebacker. You can even put him at safety and all around, you know, the defensive backfield. Go get uh, Jeff Okuda that shut down corner out of Ohio State. They are looking to make a huge splash. That is the number one team, I think, that is, mo- is going to be most aggressive. Um, and as far as teams being aggressive in reverse – there's a lot of them. There's a lot of teams that are looking to trade down and acquire picks, and it makes a lot of sense. The Lions, it, perhaps it makes no more sense than anybody uh, than anybody else in the league uh, to, to, for the Lions to move down. Um, it makes the most sense for them out of any team in the, in, in the league to do so. Uh, sitting at three, the Giants at four, the Browns at ten, they've already admitted they're looking to move down. The 49ers have already admitted that they are that both their first-round picks are, uh, are up for grabs, and that's a team that does not pick after the first round. They don't pick until the fifth. So this is a team that went to the Super Bowl, has two first-round picks, doesn't pick until the fifth, so maybe they're looking at it like, okay, let's move a first-round pick, let's grab, you know, two seconds and a third or something, and, you know, let's really continue to bolster this football team. So um, there's going to be a lot of movement. I I really do. I think there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of teams looking to trade down, and then one team in particular, like I mentioned, the Falcons, aggressively trying to move up. And it's a smart thing for the Falcons, guys, because – this is a team, I think, that recognizes their window. Sure, they didn't have a great year last year, okay? But uh, they're getting a lot of players back. There are two uh, first-round picks on the offensive line, Caleb McGarry and, and, and Chris Lindstrom, another year on the offensive line. And you've got Julio, you've got Calvin, uh, you've got Matt Ryan, obviously. You, you lost uh, Austin Hooper, but you brought in Hayden Hurst. You got Todd Gurley for, what, for whatever that's worth. You've got a lot of pieces coming back, including Keanu Neal on defense. This is a team that recognizes there is a Super Bowl window. This, this is a talented roster that has the, the ability to make a Super Bowl run. And Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov know, you don't do it this year, you're gone anyway. So why not swing for the fences and try to hit a home run? Yeah, well, and real quick, uh, guys, whenever Chris talks about the rumors and the things that he's hearing, that that is probably straight from Thomas Dimitrov. So just – that way we're clear on that. Uh, you know, Chris is pretty straight up from Thomas whenever he's giving these reports. So uh, talking about that third pick the Lions have, um, I've also heard the Jaguars and Raiders are pretty interested in it. Um, out of those two teams, which, is, which do you think is more likely to trade up and draft Tua? Out of the dra- Jaguars and Raiders? Yep. Uh, I think probably – obviously they, have mul- they both have multiple first-round picks. I, I think to me – it's the Raiders. I really do. And I, I don't necessarily think the Raiders should uh, because I don't think Derek Carr's a bad quarterback, okay? And a lot of people say, well, he's not aggressive. He doesn't throw the ball downfield. Well, he doesn't have a lot of weapons to throw the ball downfield. Tyrell Williams is a nice weapon downfield, um, but he's not a great one, okay? Uh, he's not like a, what a Henry Ruggs or a Tyreek Hill would be. Uh, Darren Waller's a nice target, but th- they need some receiver help, Okay. So if they want to go get a quarterback, I get it. If you don't think Derek Carr is a franchise and you think maybe you can trade him to a team that needs him, that's fine. But here's the problem. You have already given Derek Carr a massive contract. So you, if, you, if you move up, 
to, to, to pick two or pick three or, or four or what have you to get to a ton below to get ahead of uh, uh, the Chargers and the Dolphins, what are you going to do with Derek Carr? Somebody's going to have to trade for him. And not only that, they're going to have to take on that contract. In addition to that, there are not a lot of options, especially after the draft is, has concluded. There's not going to be a lot of places, if any, where it's a clear-cut place for Derek Carr to go. I mean, sure, I don't think Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville is going to be the franchise quarterback, but I think that I don't think that they are more are, are more likely than the Raiders to trade up because they have already seemingly tried to convince everybody. It could, it could be a smokescreen. Who knows? But they have already insinuated Gardner Minshew. They believe in Gardner Minshew. They let Nick Foles go. They, according to them, they think Gardner Minshew has the ability to be the guy. He just needs weapons. So while either one of these teams could trade up, I think it's 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 more likely, I think, to be the Raiders, even though they're dealing with the Derek Carr problem. But the problem, again, with that theory is what do you do with Derek Carr? Who are you going to trade him to? The Patriots, maybe. I mean, yeah, that's always an option. That's always an option, and that would be a much better option than Jarrett Stidham or Jacob Eason. But, again, do you really want to pay you know, your quarterback that much? And how much do the Patriots even you know, trust Derek Carr? So um, I think both teams, obviously, are teams to look out for uh, to, to move up there. But, again, I, I, think, I still think that there's a chance that Justin Herbert could be there for – for the for the Jaguars, I'm not entirely convinced that LA that the that the Chargers draft uh, Herbert. I, I think they would definitely draft two if he was there. But I, I don't. I'm not entirely convinced they would draft Justin Herbert even if he's there. Um, I, I I probably think it ends up happening, but I'm not convinced that it does 100 percent like it's a shoe in. There's always that opportunity that that chance that that, uh, that they decide to to go elsewhere. Um, so look, it's it's possible. I, I think the Jaguars would actually be more willing to move down. Uh, to collect more more draft capital, more picks. You're already looking at moving uh, Yannick Ngagwe as well. He's definitely going to be moved. He just got into a Twitter spat with the owner's son, and who the owner's son is, Tony Khan, is a co-owner of the Jaguar. So he's not going to survive draft weekend in a Jags uniform. And Leonard Fournette, it doesn't look like he's going to either, but the market for him is un, is uh, undetermined so far. So it's going to be an interesting week for the Jaguars. Uh, that's that's that much is for certain. But I think they're more than likely to move down, acquire a lot of draft capital because it's clear they are rebuilding from the ground up, and I think they're targeting Trevor Lawrence in twenty twenty one anyway. Yeah, yeah, I I think that you know Miami's probably going to be the one to land Tua. Um, I Agreed. think that they're going to go ahead and draft him. Um, you know, that's not a hundred percent, but that's my it's my gut feeling. Um, I don't think that they're going to take Herbert that quick. So. Herbert will probably be there for the Chargers, and if they take him, I think that, you know, it'll make a lot of sense for them. Uh, but for the Jaguars, I'm pulling for Minshew Mania. I think that uh, I've got him in my dynasty league, so I'm, I'm pulling for Gardner, and I'm hoping that he blossoms into a great young quarterback. So what is what are some teams, or what is the team that you think is going to surprise everyone the most and uh, how well they do come draft night that may be kind of flying under the radar as far as the draft uh, you know, there's a couple teams that don't have first round picks. We mentioned the Bears. Okay, uh, Ryan Pace has shown the, the the willingness to move up. They're they're an option. Who, who they're a team who, who actually could use you know uh, you know a, a home run slam dunk first round pick. Um, so they're an option, but I don't really see it. Pittsburgh is a team that I think people need to look out for. Pittsburgh is a team that I think people need to look out for because here's why. 
I think that they have the ability of, they don't have a first round pick. So they would have to trade back into the first round. Okay. They've got some capital to, to, to do it, but it's unclear what it would take in order to do, in order to, to complete that, that goal. Um, but I think Pittsburgh is a team to look out for. I, I think this is a team that obviously has a very talented defense. Okay. Their offensive line is much improved. Okay. They still got James Conner coming back, who I'm very high on going coming into this season. Uh, whether they draft a running back this year or not. Um, you, you, you've got Juju, obviously. You've got a rising star, it seems, in Deontay Johnson on the outside. All right? You, you just signed Eric Ebron. So, to me, this is a team you're getting Ben Roethlisberger. This is a team, to me, that is absolutely in the playoff Super Bowl hunt. They've got a window. Uh, maybe, two, maybe two more years for Ben Roethlisberger, um, and you're getting him back from, from his injury this year. So, why not go for it? This is a team, to me, that is definitely – uh, in the driver's seat to 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 go for it and uh, and win the division this year, they'd probably be my pick to win uh, the AFC North as it stands right now. So, um, to me, I think this is a team that that really says, "Look, we have a Super Bowl window. Uh, maybe for the next two years with Big Ben here, let's go ahead and let's try to get um, you know that 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 uh, that third Super Bowl ring for uh, for Ben Roethlisberger, and let's see what we can do here." I think to me, that's a team to really look out for uh, as well. Um, obviously, the Patriots we mentioned, they could be looking, you know, looking to uh, to trade back into the first round. Um, they've already got, you know, pick, uh, they pick at 23 overall right now. So that's a team to look out for. They've definitely got the draft capital to do it. Um, and I think a team like the Patriots could be even more willing to do it. And maybe even the Steelers, like we mentioned, if Jordan Love or Tua slip, okay? And I'm not saying Justin Herbert, obviously Joe Burrow's not going to slip. Justin Herbert's not going to slip more than likely, Tua and Jordan Love more than anybody could slip. Tua shouldn't because he's clearly the second-best quarterback prospect in the draft, and he's a great uh, quarterback when he's healthy. And I'm not really worried myself about injuries, but it is what it is. Some teams are. So that is obviously going to be the big elephant in the room for him is the injury concern. So he could slip because of that. I don't see it happening, but it's possible. Jordan Love, however, there are teams that – don't like him. There are teams that are, are fascinated with the, the comparisons to Pat Mahomes, and they are there, folks. It's, it, does, it sounds crazy, but the, the, the similarities are there. It's not crazy talk. Um, but, but he's a guy that a lot of teams view as more of a second-round pick. So we could see there's been talk about Jordan Love maybe going in the top 10, as high as the top 10, like to Jacksonville or someone like that. But I think that Jordan Love, I think in my latest mock draft, I have him going uh, to um, – to uh, uh, New Orleans, I believe. And so I think that Jordan Love, uh, for right there for 23 for the Patriots, 24, I believe, for the Saints, those teams right there could be, uh, you know, in line to, to, to get Jordan Love. And, and teams could obviously make a move from the second round to get a guy like Jordan Love. And, and again, Pittsburgh, what are you going to do? You don't have a, a backup plan so far. You didn't sign Jameis. You're not going to sign Cam. Big Ben's coming back. You can't trust Mason Rudolph. What are you going to do with quarterback? Maybe a guy like Jordan Love. He's a, he's a project. He needs to sit for a year. Maybe they trade back into the first if Jordan Love starts to slip, and they go they go get their, their quarterback of the future So uh, to learn behind Big Ben. And so there's a lot of stuff that can happen. But, again, the two teams I think that could cause a lot of noise, Atlanta number one because I think they're the most aggressive team, but another team that people need to look out for, the Philadelphia Eagles because if they start seeing receivers drop quickly, and Judy and C.D. Lamb go earlier than everybody thinks, they may say, look, Justin Jefferson or Henry Ruggs is our guy. We want to go get him because we see that, you know, 
you know, the, the Jets are sitting there. We see that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Broncos are sitting there uh, and the Raiders as well. We want to go get our wide receiver. We don't want to miss out. So uh, don't put anything past the Eagles. We know that that is a team that is very aggressive, and they clearly have a Super Bowl window that is wide open. So um, those are some teams I think that could surprise and, and cause a lot of shakeups in this weekend's draft. Chris McConnell on with us. You can check out his podcast, the Roto Bros Podcast. Um, great football insight there. Uh, thank you again for joining us today. The fans were clamoring for it, so you joined us again. Uh, last thing, I just wanted to – so I wanted to welcome you into the Degenerates Den. So we finally have something to place a friendly wager on, something live, uh, I should say, um, you know, solely to enhance the viewing experience, of course. I'm going to throw a few of my favorite prop bets out there. Um, if you feel the need to – talk me out of it you ready let's do it all right so the first one i've got the first three picks exact order joe burrow chase young jeff akuda plus 135 uh you know i'm gonna say um i don't think jeff akuda is gonna go third overall i don't because i believe the lions are gonna trade out of that pick and i don't think whoever trades with them is going to trade up for a quarterback unless it's maybe the Falcons but I don't think they'll they'll get that high I think that that's going to be a team that wants to jump and leapfrog the Dolphins or uh the, the Chargers and secure once Chase Young goes to the number two of the Redskins they want to secure that quarterback at, at, at three which is probably going to be two or, or Herbert obviously um so I'm going to say I'm going to say I don't know if I would take that one I, I would probably um bet that the Lions are going to move out of that pick so I don't think that Jeff Akuda is going to be the pick at three. All right, my next one, Tua to the Chargers plus 300. I still think Tua is going to wind up in, in Miami. I think Tua is going to wind up in Miami, but I think that there could be a lot of smoke to this fire that, uh, that the Dolphins are starting to kind of move toward Justin Herbert because of the injury concerns. So – it's kind of a two-to-one thing. You have, okay, the, we've talked about the Dolphins for over the past year wanting to a tongue of Aloha. But there's two things on the, on the counterpart. Number one, you've got this rumor going on about Justin Herbert. And then number two, you've got the injury concerns to Tua. So I think it's very possible that, I, that, that Tua could be there for the Chargers. I don't see any way in the world they pass on that. So that's one that I think uh, would, would probably be a, a pretty good bet to take. All right, plus 300. I'm putting that in. Uh, and the last one I've got – over five and a half wide receivers in the first round, plus 110. Uh, I do have more than five. I actually have six. I have six going in the first round. Um, obviously, I have, um, I have uh, uh, you know, Jerry. I have Henry. Uh, I, have, uh, I have Jerry, Judy, Henry Rugg, C.D. Lamb, uh, Jordan, uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, I actually have uh, Denzel Mims going there as well, um, late for the 49ers. And I have Jalen Rager for – uh, the Saints, I believe, uh, going in first. So I have about five or six. It's very, very close. It's risky, but I'm going to say I'm going to take the over on that. I'm going to go with six here for uh, for wide receivers in the first round. That's good enough for me. Okay, Chris, going to our last question. This one's real quick. Uh, I just want to know who you have the Ravens taking in the first round. Who I have uh, the Ravens taking in the first round? Well, let me uh, let me pull this up real quick. Uh, because I, I, the Ravens, to me, are an interesting team. They're one of those teams that, um, you know, in my opinion, the, 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 in a lot of drafts, you can, um, you can 
if, if you're a team like, you know, maybe the Chiefs or the Ravens or the Chargers that really don't have, you know, a ton of immediate needs. Obviously, the Chargers have quarterback, but other than that, they don't have a ton of immediate needs um, with one of the best rosters in the league. So I think that the Ravens, for me, are a team that, you know, could very likely, uh, you know, wind up um, taking, you know, in, in taking best player available. And I don't think there's an immediate need that they have where it's like, uh, you know, a, a player or a position where you cannot pass up on this. You cannot like the Jets. They can't pass up on offensive line or wide receiver there in the in, in the first round. They just can't. The Ravens don't have a position like that where they had of need where they can say we have to get this position because it's dire. They don't have that. But for me, I have them taking Zach Bond, the uh, linebacker, defensive end out of uh, Wisconsin, more of a linebacker, stand up linebacker. Um, he, he's I think he is going to be a guy that. Uh, we talk about Wisconsin and, and defensive players all the time. Um, they usually do pretty well. We talk about J.J. Watt all the time as well. Uh, he's one of, uh, you know, one of many, it seems. So I think Zach Bond, to me, is the player uh, that would really kind of pique their interest. And I think uh, Yitor Gross Matos out of Penn State, the defensive end. Now, there's a hazing scandal surrounding him, so a lot of people thinking he's going to slip. But his motor is unbelievable, and I think he's the guy that is going to go first round. And I think that uh, the Ravens could could like as well. I think they are going to go defense, but I think it's going to be linebacker or pass rusher um, in typical Ravens fashion, it seems. So right now, uh, specifically, I have them taking Zach Bond, linebacker out of Wisconsin. Gotcha. I'm really pulling that uh, Kenneth Murray falls to him. But once again, Chris McConnell, Roto Bros Podcast. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us today, man. We really love you coming on with us. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It's been a blast. Can't wait to uh, talk to you guys again soon. And, uh, hey, enjoy the draft weekend, okay? Hey, you do the same. Man, Kyler, I always love having Chris on. Uh, he gives great insight. Uh, you know, he knows a lot about football, his hometown there in, uh, in Georgia. So, you know, he keeps up with the Falcons quite a bit, and he always uh, gives us some good some good football feedback. Yeah, you know, Josh, hopefully they do end up trading up, or I'm going to feel pretty bad for my boy Chris because it's not going to be a bright year at all for him for those Falcons. Yeah, he's got a lot of hope. He's uh, He's definitely an optimist when it comes to Atlanta. Myself, not so much, but uh, it's always good to have him on. So it's that time of the show where, uh, you know, we're keeping this going for you guys for a breakdown of game three of the 2016 NBA Finals. Kyler, it was a, uh, it was a close one. Yeah, Josh, it was a real barn burner right to the end. It, uh, it kept you on the, on the edge of your seat throughout the entire, the entire game. Yeah, so uh, Kyrie Irving had just as many points in the first quarter as the Warriors. Uh, 16 points in the first quarter. Uh, they did come out a little bit stronger in the second quarter, but, you know, the, the Cavs came out in the third, really closed it out, wasn't close after that, uh, ended up winning by 30. Wasn't a close game, so, you know, another blowout, another, you know, game down. But, Josh, I'll tell you what, with everything going on uh, in the sports world right now, as, long, as far as, you know, watching-wise, and, you know, we're watching this too, it kind of feels like sports are back, no? It is definitely starting to feel that way a little bit just because there's so much going on. There's so much to keep us entertained. The Jordan Doc, the finals games, the NFL draft is coming up. There are all these things that are coming together at once. This is honestly my favorite time of year because if this, if we were actually watching live sports, it'd be playoff basketball. You know, we'd be right at the beginning of it. And this is my favorite time of year. So I'm, I'm sad it's this way, but, 
uh, at the same time, it's my spirits are high and I'm actually feeling pretty good about sports at the moment. I'm just getting so tired of the ESPN notifications that are just nothing that are just completely useless. And I'm, I'm always so hopeful for them because when sports were here, I was so, so quick to check an ESPN notification and now they're just so useless. Yeah. And I, and every time they pop up on my phone, I still look at it like it's a, you know, a message from the Lord. Yeah. Have to. But anyways, let's so, get back to game three. Uh, the Warriors struggled from deep. The Cavs shot almost 50%, uh, dominated the boards, dominated the points in the paint. Uh, just an all-around perfect, per, impressive performance by the Cavs, and, and including their stars, LeBron and Kyrie. So I'm actually going to uh, piggyback off of your awards from last episode, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with the heat check, Trey Young heat check award. All right, who you got? And sometimes the heat check award isn't for a player who sh- shoots the ball a lot and sh- does well. Sometimes the heat check can – you can shoot a lot and uh, crash and burn. So – and actually it's going to go to the same player you gave it to last week. I'm going to go ahead and give it to that boy Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. He comes out from three, a hot 0 for 4. So coming off a game where he drops 28 points and his shooting lights out, he comes out 0 for 4 from three. A couple of them weren't even close. So, uh, so he definitely gets my Trey Young heat check award. Sometimes it's just not there. So you saw, I mean, it was the same defense the Cavs were playing in game two when Draymond was knocking all those down. They were just begging him to shoot. He missed three in the first four minutes, and that was about all she wrote. He took one more in the game, but, I mean, after that, it was, it was pretty much over. Um, yeah, that was a great call, two for eight. I mean, typical Draymond Grant game. You know, he played hard, but it wasn't enough tonight. Um, so, yeah, so let's go ahead and get into our awards because – not much else to talk about in this one. 30-point blowout. My Trey Young heat check, it's got to go to J.R. Smith. My boy, he stepped up. I told you he, he hasn't been shooting much in the first two games. He stepped up big. Five for 10 from three, 20 points. 38 minutes, Josh, he played a really big game. Helped the Cavs really space the floor. Knocked down some threes. Told you they shot 50%. Great game from J.R. Really helped them take game three. Um, key game. Yeah, and that's – J.R. Smith did. He came out and finally had a great game uh, shooting well. Uh, you know, he kept him right there for most of the game, and he's a big reason that they won. So I, I would definitely agree he deserves a heat check award. If ten, shot, ten shots from three, that would definitely uh, resonate with Trey Young. So moving on to my next award, I'm going to go back to the blame place. Okay. So my blame place for this game is going to be a couple of different – few different people – uh, I'm going to give it to Steve Kerr and Golden State leadership and leadership from the players aspect because they came out flat on the road and they did not look engaged uh, at all in this game and it and it showed you know that leadership and Steve uh, you know they should have came out with their foots on the throat ready to ready to end the any chance that LeBron and them had to come back. So my blame place, I'm going to blame the win, or I guess the loss for the Warriors on Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson came out and dominated this game for the Cavs. Like I said, they they won the points in the paint battle by 22 points. They won the rebounding battle by 19 or 20. Tristan Thompson had 13 of those rebounds. He had 14 points, perfect from the field. Great game by Tristan Thompson. He gets my blame place. He is to blame for the Warriors' loss tonight. That's a, and that's a good call. Tristan Thompson had a great game. So I'm actually going to go to my uh, my underperformer here. 
and it's it's not really fair that it's my underperformer, but it, it is what it is. And I'm going to go, and even though it was a 30-point win, I'm going to go with the Cavs bench. Mm-hmm. Because this this Cavs bench, first of all, the reason you can't put a whole lot of blame is because they really didn't play a whole lot of minutes. Yeah. But the Stars came out and shine, and the bench, uh, you know, they just did not perform as well uh, in their time on the court. Uh, the most shots from someone on the bench was Shumper. He went one for five. No other player took more than two shots. No, but you see the leading leading minutes getter off the bench was, uh, besides Shumpert, Channing Fry and Timothy Mozgov. Right what I was saying last game, the, the implement of the bigs is going to be key for the, for the Cavs in uh, eliminating the spacing that the Warriors take such great advantage of. Um, getting those bigs in there is really going to be key, and you saw it in this game, and you'll continue to see it moving forward. My underperformer, uh, it's got to be Klay Thompson. I mean, this is the second game in a row where he just hasn't – he just hasn't – really the third game in a row, the, all, all the games this, se- this series, he hasn't really been finding his shot. I mean, he shot, I think, four for eight in game two. But those were pretty open shots, and I think two or three of those were already when the game was out of hand. So uh, besides that one big three he hit in game one to extend the lead to 13 or 16, I think it was because after – Steph hit his, but since then, Clay has really been underperforming, and I think a big reason that the Warriors lost this game tonight. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that, and I think that Steph uh, is as much of an underperformer as, as Clay is in this game. You know, Steph did have 19, but the man shot six for 13 and three for nine from deep, and he only had three assists. So that's, you know, that's not Steph Curry number. So he he had a big part in this, all the leaders. Yeah, we saw Draymond and Steph. They had a tough time. Uh, I talked to the last game about Draymond's being a big part in setting up the offense, implementing, bringing the ball up the court. Draymond and Steph had a – they had a somewhat of a power struggle in this game in deciding, you know, what who is best at setting up the offense right now? Who puts us in the best position? And they couldn't quite figure it out, and that kind of goes back to your blame place in, in Steve Kerr. Yeah, and all the leadership. I, I would agree with everything that you just said. I think that, you know, leaders in this game should have taken a more active role, and they failed to do so. And that's what happens when you get uh, lax day school. You get content, complacent, and you come out and get your head stumped in by 30 points by a hungry LeBron James, Kyrie Irving-led team in game three at home. So I, it, it made all the sense in the world. I, I, I expected the, the Warriors to come out with a little more umph, but the Cavs squashed it early. So my yeah. MVP for the game – uh, no surprise here. I'm going to go ahead and give it to LeBron. Played 40 minutes, 32 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. Uh, it, it was a dominant performance by LeBron. He was pretty much in control of what he wanted to do. Uh, this is the first game where he came out and put it on Iguodala, put it on on the on the Warriors, and played a really active role. Yeah, Matt Barnes got the start at the three for the Warriors today, and I think that's. That's the second the, uh, LeBron James decided that he was going to dominate this game. He was going to play like an angry, angry LeBron James. Um, great game by him. He is also my MVP. Uh, what I've noticed from him kind of relating it to the Jordan doc, Jordan – I mean, I'm sorry, Pippen played that uh, free safety role so well that I talked to LeBron about, talked about LeBron playing um, in game one. LeBron was in peak performance tonight playing that role, picking off multiple steals, disrupting passes. He was disrupting every pass made and every shot attempt in the paint. It was, it was very impressive to see him dominating in that free safety power forward role. And that's where he thrives, especially on a team that plays small ball. LeBron James is a 
physical beast that can dominate you if you don't put somebody big out on the floor. So, and I think you're right. Whenever he saw Barnes out there, he finally thought, okay, I don't have Iguodala on me from the beginning. So I can turn my shoulders, square him up and drive at the basket. And he just did it continually. Yep, Josh, another, another blowout, another Wednesday pod down, but uh, hopefully we get another game, another competitive game in uh, game four. Hopefully we get some sports on the TV soon. Hopefully the draft goes without a hitch on Thursday. Uh, do you got anything else for us? Uh, you said uh, hopefully it goes off without a hitch. I'm actually looking forward to some of the mishaps. I, wanna, I want to hear the reports of things going wrong and wives unplugging the, the power cord from the laptop. Somebody's, somebody's internet going down. I, I, that's what I want to hear. Uh, obviously, I hope that all teams get who they want, but I am here for all the mess-ups and all the mishaps through the draft. That is what I'm looking forward to. That's a great point. So hopefully there are some mess-ups, hopefully some loose connections, hopefully some kids making some draft picks for their GM dads. That's what we're all rooting for this weekend. Uh, Josh, it was a really fun episode. Yeah, man. Hey, I'll talk to you later. Let's go, buddy.